Welcome to the Professional Writer Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Christensen, and I'm here to help you confidently plan, launch, and grow your writing-related business. You'll find the show notes and a link to join our private Facebook community at bloggingbistro.com. I am super excited today to welcome one of my longtime friends, Catherine Scott-Jones. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Laura. It's so nice to be here today. I am trying to remember back when we first met. It's been a long time. We were both members of an organization called Northwest Christian Writers Association. We're both very involved in that organization. And we met probably, gosh, could have been almost 15 or 20 years ago. You were a baby writer then. I was, yes. And now you're an experienced author, multi-published, massive blogger, awesome all-around person. Just a little bit of information about Catherine. She's a book enthusiast, and we're going to talk a lot about that today. She's an author who writes inspirational women's fiction with a global accent. Now, what do you mean, Catherine, by the global accent? Oh, that's one of my favorite parts. They're predominantly set somewhere in the U.S. Well, mine so far have been set right here in our corner of the country in the Pacific Northwest. That's the main setting. But I try to have a part of it that takes place in another part of the world. And what I'm trying to show there is how we as women, we as people are all tied in together. And what we experience here in our lives is connected to what other women and people experience elsewhere. Thank you for that explanation. One of the things you say on your website about your books is that they're books that celebrate beauty in the midst of brokenness. I love that. That's a very nice, succinct way of putting Thank it. You. Catherine, you, uh, you and I also share our love of coffee, and you like bold wine, world travel, BBC dramas, and morning walks with your husband. Yes, those are all great things. <laughs> they are. And when not ensconced in your writing chair, like both of us are currently, <laughs> you might be found training for the occasional 10K, planning the next family trip, or researching your family tree. So you're a, a multi-talented woman. Thank you. I've got a lot of many <laughs> fingers and many pies right now. Today, Catherine and I are going to be talking about audiobooks. I've been so much looking forward to recording this episode because I have listened to a few audiobooks, but not very many. And so I'm a little bit of a skeptic when it comes to audiobooks. I'm one of those people that are like, oh, it takes so much time to listen to them. And I've noticed that when I do start listening to an audiobook, that everything else that's on my plate of things to do that day just kind of goes out the window. <laughs> and I end up not being very productive at all because I'm sucked into the audiobook and I want to listen to the whole thing. So I'm counting on you, Catherine, to do a little bit of educating. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe some stern talking <laughs> to me today about audiobooks. You are talking with us today from the perspective of a book reviewer because you do review a lot of books. And Catherine is going to be back with us for another episode where we talk specifically about her job as a book reviewer. So you are approaching audiobooks from the perspective of a book reviewer, as well as from the perspective of an avid audiobook listener and somebody who does a lot of reading of print books as well as listening to audiobooks. That is correct. I'm also going to be talking from the perspective of a writer because I think that audiobooks are a tool that perhaps many writers don't take into account. 
Mm, good point. Yes. And so audiobooks are huge right now. They're really burgeoning in the publishing industry in general. And so as a writer or as an author who is looking to get a book in print, considering having an audiobook version of our book would be really critical at this point in time. So I'm happy you're going to be talking about that as well. My first question for you, Catherine, is what got you into audiobooks mm-hmm. in the first place? Well, I've always been an avid reader. I always have a novel and at least one nonfiction in progress. The fiction is for entertainment and the nonfiction for enrichment. I'm a visual learner and I did not think that audio would appeal to me. In the past several years, I had given one or two a try and I liked it okay, but it didn't grab me. I was, I think, pretty much in the camp where you are right now. It was all right, but it didn't compel me to change my readerly habits until Mm. I discovered that the particulars matter. The narrator, the book, the speed at which I listened, those were game changers. But I discovered these things when I listened to one book, and that book was The Boys in the Boat. This was not my first audiobook, but it was the first one that captured me and hooked me for more. I think it's interesting that this was not a book that I would have devoted myself to reading in print, but when I started it on audio, I could hardly put it down. And now I often use my audio time to fill in the gaps of what I don't have time to devote to in print reading. And today I read at least as many books on audio as I do in print. When you read The Boys in the Boat, what was it about the audio version of it that just captured you? The narrator was superb. He was Edward Herman. He just did a fantastic job in narrating this voice. And unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but he had a real gift for it. Also, the book itself was so well written and the scope of it was incredible. The the combination of those two things drew me right in. And even though I would have said I have no interest in rowing, the author and the way he unfolded his story made me care. You mentioned a minute ago that you're a visual learner, and so you were a bit of a skeptic in getting started listening to audiobooks because of that. And I'm the same way, Catherine, and I think a lot of us who are writers are very much visual learners, and auditory is a little bit of a challenge for us. If we were interested in giving this a shot, we haven't really listened to any or very few audiobooks, what tips do you have for us to help us get started? I would keep it free or really cheap. So then you're not feeling compelled to stick with a book that you are not enjoying. 99% of the books that I listen to are free and that I get from my local library. I listen to them on an app that I have on my phone for my library. And I think that most libraries, it's either Overdrive and uh, they have an offshoot of that. That's called Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. Libby, yeah. Libby. yeah. So I've never quite understood the difference between Libby and Overdrive because I think I have both of them installed on my devices and I and they kind of seem to overlap yeah. all the time. And I have, I have had people say that they love Libby, could not get the, the hang of Overdrive. I personally prefer Overdrive. Hmm. I've tried them both and I stick with Overdrives. I would recommend that readers install them both, see which one they prefer. But 
that is how you can key into your library systems, vast, vast library of audiobooks for free. You install either OverDrive or Libby on your phone or your device, whatever device you're going to be listening from. I use a Kindle Fire, so I have that installed on my Kindle. And then you go to your library, you check out the audiobook version of a book, and then you download it to the app. When you're at your library, it'll walk you through the steps of how to download it to your device. And another source for cheap books, so not free, but very inexpensive, is if you receive notifications for ebook sales, there are a number of clearinghouses that you can sign up for, like BookBub. My second suggestion is keep it quick. And that means up the speed. Any any device that you're listening on, any app is going to give you the ability to increase your listening speed. You can listen to it at normal speed. And then there's at 1.25 speed, 1.5 speed, 1.75, and twice the, the normal speed. I routinely listen to things on 1.25 and occasionally I will adjust it up to 1.75 and that makes all the difference because we listen of course faster than we speak and we we read on paper faster than we listen and that helps our brains to keep engaged and I think that is probably where a lot of audiobook listeners who don't get engaged they don't realize they have that option Oh, I like that tip, Catherine, because typically when I listen to, say, a talk show or an audiobook, I listen late at night mm -hmm. and it puts me to sleep. And that's when it's at the regular level. But if I up the speed to 1.25 or 1.5, well, eventually they start sounding eventually like they um, do. Yeah. the chipmunks. But So I don't want that. I have noticed that a lot of the narrators for audiobooks tend to read quite slowly and distinctly because they're pronouncing each word clearly. Clearly. And so upping the listening speed really yes. is a good yes. experience in many cases. That's a great tip. How about tip number three? Be super choosy. Give yourself permission to abandon books that you begin. If you are not enjoying a book, put it down. This frees you to listen mm. to all the books that you love. That is also just one of the key, key things is to let yourself be choosy. Oh, that's another really good tip, Catherine. I have just now, and, and I'm an avid reader. I read probably 120 books per mm -hmm. year just for fun. <laughs> I have been training myself just in the last year or two to abandon books, abandon ship if the book just isn't really appealing to me. Because there are so many books out there that I know really will appeal to me that I don't need to waste my time feeling guilty because I don't finish a book that I've started. And there's so many factors in that. If the narrator is not right, if it's not the right kind of book. For example, I have discovered mm. that how-to books for me personally, don't translate well to audio because for a how-to book anyway, I'm wanting to make notes mm -hmm. and underline things in, in the book and you can't do that on audio. The narrator can make or break a book and it is just so, so important that you love the narrator. In the past week, I have probably abandoned four audiobooks and the one I'm on right now is still on probation. Because I'm now an experienced audiobook listener, 
I probably know within two minutes whether a narrator is going to work for me. Two minutes. <laughs> and, and so sometimes it takes me longer to know whether I'm going to like the book. Both those pieces for an audiobook are equally important. Both the book and the narrator matter. You know what? I think you're a realist because here's what I always teach. I create websites for a living for many authors and other entrepreneurs. And I always tell my clients that you have two seconds to capture the interest of someone who is has landed on your website and who may be randomly scrolling through the homepage or whatever page they happen to land on. You have two seconds. Websites are very much short form writing. Books, as we know, are long form writing. And so you are giving a book the equivalent of the website two second overview where you're listening to an audio book for around two minutes and making your decision. So I think that that is a really a word to the wise for authors as you are deciding who, if you have the decision making capability of who will be narrating the audiobook version of your book and just how picky many of your listeners will be in kind of putting your book on probation for a couple of minutes and then deciding whether they want to continue listening. Would it be true for you, Catherine, that if you abandon an audiobook, do you ever go back and read the print version or the Kindle version? Yeah, especially if I'm abandoning because of the narrator. Again, with the audiobook in that format, these are two independent factors. The author many times cannot control the narrator, whoever the publisher gets to narrate their book. They have no control over that. Depending on the book, I would definitely consider picking it up in print form if I felt that the book was right for me, just not the narrator. So how about authors and writers? How can listening to ebooks oh, yeah. be beneficial to well, us? Well, if you are a writer, listening to audiobooks is a great way to reclaim some of those little cracks and crevices of time that we need for research and for learning about whatever we're writing about. Plus, every writer knows that the best way to improve your craft is to read a lot, both inside and outside your genre. And audiobooks provide an amazingly efficient way to mm -hmm. do that. I and listening to audiobooks when I am driving, you know, chauffeuring, choring. I've never enjoyed cooking, cleaning, and folding laundry more than I have since I got hooked on audiobooks. With this also comes a caveat that we need to take care as writers that we are mindful of overconsumption. As writers, we need silence and we need mental white space. So it's easy to kind of flip from being a non-audiobook person to being addicted to audiobooks. And that's not a space that you want to find yourself in either. You need to have space in your brain to be working out what you're writing on as well and not filling it with another voice all the time. I see that those addictive tendencies in myself, which might be one of the reasons why I haven't spent a whole lot of time listening to audiobooks, because I realize, yes, I do need that, what you call the mental white space in my day to just let my brain decompress from all the myriad things that are going on in it, all the demands on my time, so true. and just not really think about much of anything. How about figuring out which types of eBooks to listen to? follow several writers online. Uh, I follow their blogs 
and often they are recommending books. And I will often look at a book and wonder if it might be good on audiobooks. So oftentimes, if I get a book recommendation now, the first place I go is to my library to see if they have it on audio. If they do, I get on the wait list or check it out or whatever. Just from other authors and book reviewers that I follow, I get book recommendations that way. You can also go to bookbub.com. They do daily emails with cheap ebooks. Uh, that's a, another good way of just keeping in front of you what books are out there. And uh, that is a way to pick up a cheap audiobook sometimes, because sometimes if you decide to buy an inexpensive ebook, you can get the audio added to it for just a few dollars more. Following authors and readers that you trust on Goodreads is another way to just pick up good book recommendations. One of the great places that I actually find a lot of books that I want to read and or listen to are from your you. recommendations on your website. And you are over at uh, katherinescottjones.com. <laughs> and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But Catherine has an amazing blog where she regularly reviews all sorts of different books. And uh, I really respect your reading recommendations. And in fact, there was one that you recommended last week that I put on hold at the library immediately. And it just got delivered to my Kindle the other day. So I'm anxious to start reading that book. Speaking of recommendations, can you give us some of your picks? I listen to historical nonfiction, memoir, and fiction. Starting with the historical nonfiction, I'll begin with The Boys in the Boat, the, uh, the book that turned audiobooks around for me. The complete title is The Boys in the Boat, Nine Americans and Their Epic Quest for Gold at the 1936 Berlin Olympics by Daniel James Brown. As I mentioned earlier, it's narrated by Edward Herman, and I just found it breathtaking in its scope. I, I was just completely entranced for the, the duration, and it's quite a long book, too. The second book in this category I would recommend is Radium Girls, The Dark Story of America's Shining Women by Kate Moore. This is a story about following the Curry's discovery of radium. Radium found its way into mainstream products, and from there that became an entangled tale of opportunism, corruption, and scandal. And this is the story of the battle for workers' rights that still resonates today. The third book in this category I would recommend is Fall and Rise, the story of 9-11 by Mitchell Zuckoff. This book is a really long one. It's the story of 9-11. Um, and it helped me to grieve the events of 9-11 uh, two decades later. It was meticulously researched, mm -hmm. it was masterfully written, heartbreaking, powerful, as hard as it was to listen to. It felt to me like a way to honor both the fallen and the heroes. And of course, they were often one and the same. And the last one in this category is 40 Autumns, a family's story of courage and survival on both sides of the Berlin Wall by Nina Wilner. This falls into the category of stories of human resilience and resourcefulness. I found it surprisingly and engagingly told. 
Thank you for those. That's great. Uh, memoir tends to be, at least these memoirs that I'm recommending, <laughs> tend to be lighter. Those are all fairly heavy, the narrative nonfiction there. Okay. So the first one of the memoirs that I would recommend is As You Wish, Inconceivable Tales from the Making of the Princess Bride by Carrie Elwes. I'm not even particularly a fan of the Princess Bride. I mean, I like it, but I'm, you know, I'm not a groupie. And I found this book utterly charming. His take on things is so positive, and it's delightfully narrated by Carrie Elwes himself, who is Wesley. I just found it super fun. Summer at mm. Tiffany by Marjorie Hart is a true story of a couple of college girls from Iowa who miraculously land summer jobs at Tiffany & Company in New York City, becoming the first women to work the sales floor right toward the end of World War II. It's a little bit of celebrity dishing and a little bit on the celebration of VJ Day in Times Square. It's wholesome and it's a peephole into another era. It was, again, just enjoyable. Another one in this category I would recommend is who thought this was a good idea and other questions you should have answers to when you work in the White House by Alyssa Mastro Monaco. It is a long title. And we will put these all in the show notes. So if you're madly scribbling down notes, listener, don't worry. We'll put the links and the titles and yes, the authors in great. the show notes. This was a behind-the-scenes political memoir narrated by the author, who was the deputy chief of staff to President Obama. It was smart, funny, surprising, and as you might guess, a little bit edgy. So here, I actually do need to put in a, a something of a disclaimer that I always mm -hmm. encourage readers to do a little bit of research themselves to know if uh, a book is going to be right for them and not just go off of one person's say-so. The next recommendation I have in the memoir category is My Southern Journey, True Stories from the Heart of the South by Rick Bragg. This book I found just full of wisdom, insight, perspective, humor. It was a grace-filled, open-eyed love letter to the American South in all of its imperfection and beauty. Now, this one is read by the author, Rick Bragg, who is a Southerner and speaks like one. And so this is an excellent candidate, this audiobook, for the increased speed to listen to. And I would also recommend that any potential readers give this one a little bit of time. I myself gave this one a longer probation period than I would normally because it did come to me highly recommended. And I was really glad I did. It does get off, I think, to a bit of a slow start. But once I was into his style of storytelling, I was completely hooked. I just found it a delight. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Rick Bragg as far yeah. as I'm concerned. He is an amazing writer. He is an amazing writer. Yes. Okay, and the last one in this category is The Office, the untold story of the greatest sitcom of the 2000s, an oral history by Andy Green. I have enjoyed The Office. I would not call, my, call myself a fan particularly, but I thoroughly enjoyed this audiobook. It is a must read, a must listen to for anyone who's ever watched The Office and is familiar with mm -hmm. the goings on there. And it's really excellent on audio, but I do have to give one heads up. There's language. Just reader beware. Okay. 
So you've walked us through some of your narrative nonfiction picks. You've given us some memoir picks, and now you're going to give us some fiction picks. Yes. I tried to select a few that were are, are of a variety. The first one on my list here is The Jane Austen Society by Natalie Jenner. This is a historical fiction set right after World War II. It is an ensemble cast, so to speak, uh, one narrator, but many different characters in a small English village. I found this to have a surprising gravitas and depth of mm. characters. I was not expecting that for something that has Jane Austen in the title. <laughs> oh, come on, Catherine. <laughs> I, okay, I have to tell you, I just read that book. I did not listen to the audiobook version, but I read, I'm thinking maybe I should go back and listen to the audio version because I didn't like the print version all that well. Oh, I thought it was okay, but uh -huh. not great. What happened after I finished reading the Jane Austen Society, and I just finished it a few days ago, is I went on this Jane Austen binge. I'm like, okay, I need to go back and reread all my Jane Austen books. And of course, I have all of them in paperback, hardback, and ebook version. So now I'll have to get the audiobook version. So I went back and I read Jane's very, see, I even refer to her by her first name. We know each other so yeah. well, even though she lived, what, 200 years ago? <laughs> I read her very first novel that she wrote that was actually never published because it was an early work and she wasn't real fond of it. It was called Lady Susan. And after reading it, I can understand why it never got published. Mm -hmm. But hey, we all have to start somewhere, right? We all have to start. Absolutely. Yeah. And she yeah. wrote it when she was a teenager. So, oh. you know, <laughs> well, the fact saying. that she finished it, I mean, yeah, that, that is <laughs> worth noting. Okay. Anyway, we went off on a little tangent we there, did. but I That's just had to stand right. up for Jane, my favorite author there. For yeah. Jane. Well, oh, I, I love Jane Austen. Absolutely. I do. Okay. So back to the Jane Austen Society. Yes. I, I really enjoyed that on audio. It's narrated by the actor Richard Armitage. And yeah. perhaps that's what makes um, the audio version of that. Mm -hmm. So the next one in fiction that I would recommend is Larkspur Cove, quite of a different feel by Lisa Wingate. Uh, Lisa Wingate, of course, is very prolific. It's an inspirational contemporary romance set in small town Texas. I found it particularly skillful weaving of faith-based themes and character growth. As a writer, I was especially impressed. This is one of the few books I've listened to that I actually liked the dual narration. Usually I prefer just one narrator, but in this instance, there was a male and a female narrator and it worked for this, I felt. I just really enjoyed how she pulled that whole thing together. The next one on my list is The Mother-in-Law by Sally Hepworth. This is set in suburban Australia and is the kind of women's fiction I enjoy with relational and emotional complexity. I found this story to be very unexpected. It did not go where I thought it would, and I found it surprisingly satisfying. Then a totally different type is These Is My Words, The Diary of Sarah Agnes Prine, 1881 to 1901 by Nancy E. Turner. That's quite a mouthful of a title. But this is a pioneer adventure based on the author's own family's memoirs. 
It's authentic in its detail. It's heartbreaking at times, but I really appreciated its recognition of the brokenness of our world, especially in that pioneering world. Uh, but it had a real celebration of what is beautiful. And it is at its heart, a love story. I mentioned this book in part because this was an exception to my rule about the narrator. The narrator of this one actually bothered me at first, but I was so hooked on the story itself, I gave the narrator a little bit more of a try. And eventually either she adjusted maybe with the story or I got used to it or something, but the narrator stopped bothering me and I was so drawn into the story that I actually, this is one I listened to on audio and liked it so much, I bought a print copy to have on my shelf. Yeah, that's a good endorsement. (laughs) That is usually a good (laughs) sign. And then lastly, I'm kind of cheating here. This isn't one book. I'm going to recommend an author. And again, this is my personal taste. It may not be to everyone's, but I love Agatha Christie on audio. And I love very specific narrators. And I have to emphasize this because I have tried listening to other narrators that have not done it for me at all. And so whether my picks float your boat, I my <laughs> point is I would I would listen to the narrators that you enjoy. Now the narrators that I enjoy and that I would recommend for Agatha Christie are Hugh Fraser. He does the uh, Hercule Poirot books and particularly I would recommend Toward Zero. And Amelia Fox does the Miss Marple books. And of those, I would recommend Nemesis and Sleeping Murder. And then Dan Stevens narrates standalones or or ones that don't have a particular detective. My favorite of his is And Then There Were None. And I'm assuming that these books need no introduction. (laughs) They are classic Mm -hmm. British mysteries. I like these because they serve me as palate cleansers often. They're Mm -hmm. only about eight hours long and they're just entertaining. They are always well done. And so sometimes if you just kind of need something to fill in the gaps until you decide what you really want to (laughs) read or listen to, these fit the bill. Oh, this is wonderful, Catherine. I am sitting here and I have this giant grin on my face because I think I've only read one out of all the books that you just mentioned. And if I'm going to give audiobook listening a try, I now have enough books to get me through like a full year of listening. Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) And as I mentioned earlier, we will put the links to all of the books that Catherine has just introduced us to in the show notes so that you can buy them or check them out from the library in either print or audio version or ebook version or all of the above and give these books a try. What I'm hearing you say over and over, Catherine, is that for you, the person who is narrating the book really makes a huge difference in your overall enjoyment of the book. Oh, it's a deal breaker. A deal breaker or deal maker. Mm-hmm. Either way. And that I just, I cannot emphasize that enough. You love the narrator and, and give yourself permission to not like a narrator and to go on to the next one because there are some wonderful ones out there. And once you find narrators that you love, you can actually do searches and find out what oh. else they, they narrate. And so that can give you another avenue into audiobooks. 
And I also hear you saying that your recommendations for narrator and for books that you have enjoyed reading aren't necessarily going to be the same ones that I will enjoy or that someone who's listening to the podcast might enjoy. So find something, listener, that you particularly enjoy listening to. Yes. Any other thoughts to leave us with concerning audiobooks? I would just really challenge those like you, Laura. I was right in your shoes myself where I was an audiobook skeptic. And I would really challenge those who are in that camp, those who think that audiobooks are not for you. I challenge you to claim a growth mindset and not get stuck in a fixed one. I I really think that you might surprise yourself and grow yourself both as a reader and as a writer by exposing yourself to the the world of audiobooks, which as you noted, is just expanding crazy right now. And there's just going to be more to choose from as we go forward. Thank you for that challenge. I'm always making a similar challenge to my listeners, like have that growth mindset, have that lifelong learner mindset. So I am listening to you, Catherine, and I'm going to listen to my own words that I preached (laughs) as well. And I give audiobooks a shot. I feel that I may just fall in love with them based on a few of the recommendations that I heard you making here today. I'm anxious to give those a shot. I hope. Thank you so much, Catherine, for being a guest today on the Professional Writer Podcast. If we want to read some of your book reviews and follow you, you do have an email that you send out regularly. Where can we get more information about you? I can be found at katherinescottjones.com, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-S-C-O-T-T-J-O-N-E-S.com. And I will put a link to Catherine's website in the show notes. Again, thanks so much for joining us, Catherine. And you can head on over, listener, to bloggingbistro.com, where you'll find links to everything that Catherine and I discussed today. You'll also find a way to subscribe to the Professional Writer Podcast so that you'll get an email notification in your inbox every time a new episode drops. You can also listen to the podcast. Here we're talking about audiobooks, but this is audio listening to a podcast podcast via your favorite podcasting app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Stitcher. It's on all of them. Just open the app and key in The Professional Writer. The show will pop up and you can save it to your favorites so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying The Professional Writer podcast, I hope that you will share it with a friend. Thanks again so much for listening today and we'll talk with you again next week.